Yesterday, I laid a, a good friend of mine to rest, and my heart's still a little tender. So, if you'll just bear with me today, we'll get through it. But here's what I know, ladies and gentlemen. The Lord is good. He's good. Cindy lost her dad and we laid him to rest and then we laid Larry to rest yesterday and I feel like I need some rest. But the Lord is our strength. And I love all of you. And you say, Pastor, you don't know me. Well, if I did get to know you, I'd love you. And today we've got three or four baptisms. Isn't that awesome? I am so excited about that. Very excited about it. If you have your Bibles, would you go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8? And I hope you can see my humor. I had somebody send this to me and I thought it was funny. So my humor is coming up on the screen. If your pastor is looking at you like this, go to the altar. He knows. <laughs> That's right. So if I just come look at you like that, I know. <laughs> I, I see a good friend of mine this morning, Brother Mark Brantley. Great to have you today. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> Brother Brantley just happens to have a job that keeps him away, but we know it's for a season. But it's good to have you this morning. I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. I'll be reading from the ESV. You can just follow along in your Bible. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake, my sake, He became what He was not. He became poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Isn't that a beautiful passage? Y'all think you got about 35, 40 minutes? You think, you think your chicken can wait that long? Okay. Father, I, I need your help today, as always. I, I just can't do it without you. Don't want to do it without you. Thank you, Lord for your presence. Thank you for your power and help me today, Lord. Let a fresh anointing rest upon me and I give you thanks and praise. Amen. Before you're seated, I want to say to Kaylee, Jared, and to your whole team, yesterday you did amazing for Larry. Amazing. To Baron, Dave, all of our media, all of you that had a part to play in that service and in this service, I just thank God that I have the privilege to serve with an outstanding team that loves to serve the Lord in excellence. 
thank all of you. Thank you for being here this morning. I pray that the word of the Lord will strengthen you and add value to your life. Are you ready? God bless you. You can be seated. I read a story about a Christian speaker who watched the Blue Angels fly. The Blue Angel team, he watched them as they performed some just magnificent maneuvers. And they were going at supersonic speeds over the stadium. And this was at halftime at a football game. And at the end of the show, they brought them in, these pilots, they brought these pilots in, these Blue Angel pilots, they brought them in on a helicopter into the stadium and landed them right there on the 50-yard line. And right at the time that they landed, these fireworks went off, special effects and lights and they got out of the helicopter and they were in their silver flight suits that had zippers from their shoulders to their boots. And if you've ever seen that, it's a pretty amazing thing. And this crowd was just going crazy over the, the maneuvers and the abilities of these outstanding pilots. And the speaker observed, he said, if I were God, he said, I would send my son into the world. And he said, that's how I would have done it. He said, I, I would have done it with spectacular fireworks and lights. And I, 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 would, have, I would have had the crowd cheering. And yeah, I would even have had him in one of those silver jumpsuits. He said, if I had a choice and if my son was God, that's how I would have done it. But brothers and sisters, that's not how God did it. God did not choose to be born in a civic arena. God did not choose to be born in a palace. He didn't choose to be born in a stadium. God made the choice to be born in a stable. And he didn't have A-listers, celebrities, the rich and the famous. You know who he chose? It was shepherds. And if you read about shepherds, they were not very high on the social totem pole, if you please. But that's who God chose to be his audience. And a thousand years later, brothers and sisters, the world still can't comprehend the immaculate conception. Big words, but it simply means that God placed his seed inside of the womb of a virgin. And God sent his one and only begotten son. God came down. And the world to this very day still doesn't comprehend it. And they still can't hardly even accept it. Because the world loves the spectacular. 
The world loves the lights and the bling and the glitter of the Vegas Strip. The world loves the walk of fame that you can find in L.A. The, lo the world loves the power and the prestige of Wall Street because the world likes the glitz and the glamour, the bling and the ring. But at the very heart of the Christmas message is this, the unimaginable greatness of God was packed in a manger. And our text tells us that though he was rich, yet he became poor so that all of us in here might become rich. And this is a reference to God's status in heaven and the humility that he had to put on to become poor, to come down to earth, to even be willing to show up in a manger. I want you to think about this, brothers and sisters, that the creator, the God of the universe, that said, let there be light, and light appeared. This is the God that we're talking about. Come on, somebody. We're talking about the same God that formed the earth and then filled it with animals and insects of every kind. I'm talking about he formed the sea and then he filled it with wells and fish of every kind. I'm talking this morning about the God that formed man from the dust of the ground and then breathed into him and man became a living soul. You, you got to remember this, remember this, that, that God never formed something that he does not feel. He formed the skies and then he put the eagles and the owls and the birds into it. He formed the sea and then he filled it. He formed man and then he filled his lungs with his own breath. God did not form any of us here to fill us with S-E-X, to fill us with money, to fill us with power. That was not his purpose. He formed us so that he could fill us with his spirit. And if you... If you, brothers and sisters, do not have the spirit of Christ in you, then what you are doing is you are filling yourself with every kind of substitute. Because nature abhors a vacuum. And on the inside of you, there is a God vacuum that cannot be filled with S-E-X. It cannot be filled with D-R-U-G-S. It cannot be filled with M-O-N-E-Y. It can only be filled with G-O-D. Which means, brothers and sisters, that the more we fill ourselves with stuff, the, the less we're probably lacking in the spirit. 
See, God did not become poor so that we might become rich with cabin cruisers, Cadillacs, condos, unlimited credit cards. Listen, I'm not against Cadillacs. I'm not against any of what I just mentioned. But God did not bless you, as Sister Cammie said, so that you can just boast about what you have. When you are blessed by this world's riches, I hope that you always remember to give God thanks. And it's not just so that you can be blessed to say, look what I'm wearing and look what I'm driving. God doesn't have a problem blessing you. In fact, he wants to. He just wants you to remember that he's always the star of your story and that he don't want stuff to have you. He just wants you to have stuff come on somebody no he didn't become poor that you might become rich necessarily in money he became poor so that you and I could become rich by the benefits of the cross he wants you and I to be rich in things that money cannot buy can I just keep preaching I just say it before I say it again. Money can buy you a pill, but it can't buy you peace. A car may bring you happiness, but it can't bring you joy. God wants to give you things money can't buy. God wants you to understand this culture, brothers and sisters, says that you're valuable based off of your performance and what you possess. But God thinks you're valuable because you have him in your heart, because you've got salvation in your life, because you have things that money he can't buy. I want to talk to you this morning about he came down. He came down. God came down. If you will, throw up on the screen Isaiah 7 and 14. It says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. Do you understand that everything in the Hebrew worldview fought against the idea that a human could be God? Do you realize that the Jews would not even pronounce the name Yahweh? They would not even spell the name Yahweh. They could not even wrap their mind around that a human could be God. And yet Jesus Christ, by his life and by his claims and by his resurrection, convinced his Jewish followers that he was not just a prophet telling them how to find God, but God himself came down to find us. And God who was so holy, this God that was so incredibly holy as as Isaiah says, holy, holy, holy. Listen, brothers and sisters, this, this holy God, if it would have been anyone else, would not have come down to us. He would have simply demanded that we pull ourselves together. And we become moral and we become holy enough to merit a relationship with him. But God knew we could never climb up to him. 
So he came down to us. And I just want to remind anyone here this morning, you don't get good to get God. You get God to get good. Can I talk to you this morning? If you're an unbeliever, don't try to get religion because religion is not the way. Religion is the gateway. But he said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life and I don't want to cross swords with you. I'm only here to help, not to hurt. But listen, truth is not just this word. Truth is a person. He said, I am the way. He said, I am the truth. And you know what? When you get him, the truth will set you free. If you are bound this morning, I got good news. It's not good advice. It's good news. If you can get God in your heart, I promise you things will begin to transform in your life. That's why he came down. He came down. Here's what I love about the Lord. He didn't send a committee. He didn't send a committee. He didn't even send Michael the archangel. He came down himself. Why? Because that shows his love. He was willing to leave heaven's throne and the riches of heaven to be born in a stable. Why? So that you would know he can identify with your struggles. Do you know I believe that yesterday God was crying with us when we were crying about Larry? You say, how is that possible? Because God knew what it was like to lose his only begotten son. He knew what it, he knew what it was like. God knows what you are feeling this morning. And he is touched with the very feelings, Sister Arlene, of your, your, you know, your heartbreak this morning. God's heart had to break when he saw his son upon the cross dying for no sins of his own. But he died for mine and he died for yours. I want to preach this morning. Love came down because that's what love does. Oh, my Lord. So you say, Pastor, what does that mean to us Christians? It means we should never be snobs. You didn't know that was coming, but here it is. It means we should never be snobs. If you've been around so long that you're looking down your noses at anyone that comes into this house, then it means you need to take that heart back to the altar because God so loved the world that he gave. It means that we should never make it our goal to only reach a certain race or to only reach a certain color. Or to try to reach the higher echelons of the sleek and the beautiful. That's the way the world does it. For God so loved the world that he emptied himself. That he became poor. Why? Because he loves us from the uttermost to the guttermost. But whether you're on Wall Street or you're on Skid Row. You and I need the Lord. Whether you have a million dollars in your bank account, and I hope you do, 
or whether you're struggling to rub two dimes together, you still need the Lord. And I would rather be rubbing two dimes together and know Him and have Him in my heart than to have a million dollars in my bank account because a million dollars can't buy salvation. Come on. Notice something else that God does. He not only leaves heaven and comes down to earth, but we see Him in the Gospels where He's kneeling down to wash His disciples' feet. And you keep reading, then the Bible says that He went so far down, He went into hell. What was He doing in hell? I can't get into this, but I'm going to tell you real quick what He was doing. He was preaching the Gospel to those who were held captive in hell so they would have an opportunity to hear the Gospel. I can't get into this, but this is part of what caused graves to come up. Yeah, you need to read that. It's in there. The Bible says that the graves opened up. What was that? Those were the souls, I believe, that God went down into hell and they made a choice to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they eventually became resurrected souls. Everywhere you see God, you know what he's doing? He's coming from heaven to earth. He's kneeling down to wash feet. He's going down into hell so that people can have another chance. Because when you understand who you are, it's okay to kneel down when you understand who you are and your identity you don't mind serving others it's when you don't know who you are that you say I ain't doing that you can't put a broom in this hand you're better than that I'm going to tell you Jesus wasn't better than that he was willing the creator of the world was willing to come down he's willing to come down in other words you know what Jesus was showing all of us? In His unique way, the way up is down. Mm -hmm. And the more your identity is in Christ, the less the problem you have with pride. Because then you know who you are and it doesn't bother you to deal down. It doesn't bother you to sweep. It doesn't bother you to clean the toilet. It doesn't bother you to run a golf cart. It doesn't bother you to serve others because you know that your identity is in Him. I got to get this out. It hurts me as a man of God. It hurts me to see Christians who are snobs. It hurts me when I walk in my local grocery store and I have people who claim to be a Christian and they see me, they see me, and I see them. But they won't even say hello. It's like, you know, they're the only ones that are going to be saved. That hurts me, brothers and sisters. I want to preach to this church with all the love in my heart. If you got yourself on the judgment seat, I beg you to take yourself off. There's only one judge. There's only one Savior. There's only one Christ. Stay in your lane. He says, love him and love others. He came down so that he could raise us up. Come on now. Pray tell me, and I say this with all the love in my heart. Pray tell me, rich man, what do you have that God hasn't given you? Thank you for those ten amens, but everybody should have amen me. He became poor 
so that we might become rich. What man in here has muscles and what woman in here has curves? You're all muscled up and you've got all the curves in the right places. But listen here. Think about this just a moment. He gave you that body. And you know what he did with his? He was willing to send his body to the cross. The Bible says that he was whipped 39 times. His back was a bloody mess so that you and I could come in here this morning and receive healing for ours. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's what he did with his body. So quit thinking, and I love you dearly, but quit thinking because you've got curves and muscles that you've got something. Listen, friend of mine, we have nothing to boast about. This is what James said in 1 and 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It's coming down from the Father of lights. So if you've got a $100 bill in your pocket, be thankful. If you've got muscles, be thankful. If you've got a nice car, be thankful. But you must understand that every good gift you and I have, it all has come from him. What does that mean? It means that nothing truly good that this world has didn't have its origin in heaven first. And it's our shame. It is our shame that so many Christians go through this world in the spirit of the priest and the Levite. You say, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. Those of you that are new, I would encourage you to look at Luke at, I believe it is, 10 and 25. It talks about there was a priest and a Levite, and a Levite was supposed to help the priest. And there was a man who had been beaten. He was naked. He had, he had, he had uh, robbers come and take everything uh, that he owned. And the Bible says, I'll go through this real quick, that the priest came by in all of his robes, and he looked at him, and he saw that he was in need, and yet the Bible says that he uh, passed by. Then this, the parable tells us that the Levite, the priest helper, came by, and he too saw this man that was in need, but he didn't want to get involved uh, you know, he ain't like me. He ain't as holy as me. He don't look like me. He, he don't have the kind of donkey I got. He don't have wear the kind of clothes. His breath may stink. And I mean, my God, look at the man. The man's half naked. Come on, get some clothes on. You know, and yet the good Samaritan came by. I'm talking about us Christians. We need to lower our noses. We need to remember where God brought us from. You, you see this nice suit I'm wearing? I'll tell you where it come from. It come from the generosity of God's people and the goodness of God. The, the nice vehicle that Janet and I drive, you know where it come from? Your generosity and the goodness of God. And I don't want to ever forget, you know why I'm on this stage? Not because I'm gifted and talented, but because the Lord called me into the ministry. Every good and every perfect gift has come from God. And it hurts me to see Christians the way we act sometimes. We need to fall in love with God. 
And we need to fall in love with people. He came down. Jesus came down to get involved with us, to find us, to help us. I want you to look at Hebrews 2 and 17. It says, therefore, he had made, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation that's a big word, but basically what it means is that he, Jesus had to come to please God, to be the sacrifice for the sins of the people. Verse 18 says, for because he himself has suffered, he himself has suffered when tempted. He is able, get this, if you haven't woke up, wake up right now, please. You ready? Because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. I don't want to even say this because God, I hope it never happens. But if I lost a child and I pray to God, I don't. But if I did, I'd go see Danette. And I'd go see Lisa. And I'd go see Larry and Melwin. You know why? Because they've been through it. And they're still standing. And I'd go and I'd ask them, how did you get through it? You know why? Because they've been there. They suffered that. Why are you saying that, Pastor? Because I'm telling you right now, you feel lonely. God knows how you feel. You feel like God hadn't answered your prayer. God knows how you feel. You say, what do you mean? Jesus himself said, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. And God did not answer that prayer. You say, Pastor, I feel so lonely and abandoned. God knows how you feel. How do you know? He said, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? I'll tell you why he forsook him. So he would never have to forsake you. That's why. Because he never wanted you to feel forsaken. That's why Hebrews 13 boasts. He said, I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. Because I know what it's like to not have prayers answered. And I know what it's like to feel like I'm abandoned and left all alone. So I'll never do that to you. Because I know how you feel. Oh, oh my God. Some say, Pastor, do you feel like the Lord really loves me? Here's what I got to say to you, brothers and sisters. How could God do everything that he did and not love you? Whenever you get to thinking and the devil gets to lying to you that God don't love you, just find you a good old picture of the cross and say, devil, you are a liar. Come on now. God has been in all the places you've been. 
I'm going to say it again. God's been in all the places you've been. He's been in the darkness that some of you are in right now. And that is the reason why you can trust Him. Because He knows. And God has the power to comfort you. And God has the power to strengthen you. And God has the power, Sister Arlene and Sissy. He has the power to bring you through. And God is going to bring you through. Though I walk through, I'm not going to stay there. It's a season. But God is going to bring me through this valley of the shadow of death because he knows what it feels like because he came down. Can I keep going? God came down. I got to hurry, which means Emmanuel. He is God. He is human and he is with us. Do you understand what that means? It means the unapproachable God that we see in Exodus becomes a human being. All right, here we go again. Pastor, I don't know a lot about the Bible. That's okay. What are you talking about? I'm talking about if you go to Exodus 33, the God of the Old Testament. Well, let me tell it like this. There was a there was a man named Moses. He was one of the greatest men of all times. And he made a request. He said, God, I'd like to see your face. And here was the response. Moses, if I showed you my face, it would kill you. You cannot see my face. Basically, God said, the best I can do for you, Moses, is just to show you my backside. And it wasn't that God was being rude. It was that God was so holy and so awesome that no man could look upon the face of God and live. And that's why when the people, the Israelites, come up on the mountain, the terror of the Lord upon that mountain calls them to run back in fear. And yet, here's what Moses would say when God came down. Moses would say, Mary got to see what I was denied. I prayed to see the face of God and God said no. But when God came down, Mary got to look in his face and live. That's how much he loves you and me. You're getting to be a partaker of something that the, one of the greatest men who ever lived did not get to be a partaker of. He had the Spirit of God with him, but you now have the Spirit of God in you because he came down. I got to hurry. You know what it means? It means that through Jesus Christ, we can meet God. And we can get to know Him personally without any fear. Why would God come this time in the form of a baby rather than a firestorm or a whirlwind? Because this time, He's not come to bring judgment. I thought about this this morning. When Elijah's prayed for the fire to fall, it fell. It consumed 450 prophets of Baal. It consumed the whole sacrifice and the water that had been poured on it. And then it was the judgments of God that allowed Elijah to slay 450 false prophets. But think about the difference when the fire fell on the day of Pentecost. 
It wasn't judgment. It was so that he could empower us. It was because he loved us. It wasn't the judgments of God. He was showing, I've come down to empower you. I've come down to improve and to transform your life. I've come down not to judge you, but to bear your judgments and to pay for the penalty of your sins so that we can come together. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. Only God can take a black heart and wash it with his red blood and make us white as snow. Check this out. When Jesus comes down, when he came down, he doesn't behave like other kings that the world would expect. He didn't have any academic credentials. He had no social status. And when Joseph brought his family out of Egypt, they landed in Nazareth. You say, what does that mean? Well, in John 1 and 46, it means that when Nathaniel learns Jesus is from Nazareth, he is literally appalled. And he says this, can anything good come out of Nazareth? See, the world has always despised people from the wrong places with the wrong credentials. If you're from Nazareth, you can't possibly be one of the top people. I don't want to be offensive, but it's kind of like saying, if you're from Nazareth, you're from Poche. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Some of you may not know what that means, but I know this group right here knows what that means. How many in this group right here knows what Poche is? Yeah. How many of the rest of you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's like saying Jesus is from Poche. Jesus is from the ghetto. He's from the hood. How can any good thing come out of Poche? I tell you what comes out of Poche. And we stereotype Poche, right? There's some other places we stereotype, but it's kind of close to my house, so I won't say it. Mm-hmm. Y'all know. Huh? Y'all got the memo, didn't you? I won't say it. I didn't say it. You, you didn't hear me say it. But how can any good thing come out of that? That's what Nathaniel was saying. You know why? Because God doesn't operate the way the world operates. Come on, somebody. Mm -mm. Mm. Now, you know, <laughs> we say, well, they have to look a certain way. They got to come from New York City. They can't come from Mississippi. Huh. They can't come from Poche Town. They can't come from down the street a little ways. They got to come from someplace sophisticated. They, they, they can't come from GED. They got to come from Harvard Graduate School. And I'm here to tell you that God don't think like man thinks. In fact, I thought I read that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. In fact, I submit to you that the greatest man who ever lived was born in a manger and grew up in Poche Town, if you please. But he changed the world and he wants to change you and change your world if you will invite him into your heart. Oh, my Lord. I, 
Why, Pastor, why does God do it differently? Why does he, why does he look favorable upon Leah and not Rachel? When the Bible says that Rachel, study it out, was really unattractive. Because God doesn't look at physical beauty. Why, why didn't God send his message through the Egyptians? The Egyptians were known for their wisdom. Why, why didn't he send it through the Romans? The Romans were known for their strength. But you know who he came to? The Jews. A very small people. And yet he let light come through a very small nation. Why, if, you study, if you study the Bible, you, you will find out that the firstborn is the one who got everything. They're the ones who got the birthright. But keep reading. You'll find out that God overlooked Esau and he went to Jacob. He overlooked, overlooked Rebekah and he went to Leah. And the Bible says that Jacob was buried beside Leah. Why? Does God just love underdogs? No, not necessarily. He's just showing us something about salvation. That's really what he's doing. He's showing us something about his nature. Every other religion appeals to the strong, to the people who can pull it together. But only Jesus says, I have come for the weak and I am going to save them, not by what they do, but through what I do. So I declare to you as I wrap this up, brothers and sisters, all of you sweet people here this morning, thank you for coming, but I declare to you this, that it doesn't matter where you've been, it does not matter what you've done, it does not matter how long you did it with whom you did it with. That does not matter to God. God can take you from the guttermost to the uttermost. In fact, he delights taking the weak and saying, now because you have me, you are strong. It does not matter how deep, how dark your secrets may be in your past. It does not matter how badly we have messed up. If we will repent and come to God, not only will God accept us, but he will work in our lives because he delights to work through people like us. Would you stand to your feet and if you receive this word, give God some praise in his house right now. Here's what Christmas means, ladies and gentlemen. God came down. He came down. Here's what Christmas means. It means that race, pedigree, wealth, and status do not ultimately matter. Do you know some of the men that pastor some of the largest churches right now in our country do not have a formal education, never went to Bible school? You do not have to have a Ph.D., to be used by God. All you've got to have is a willing vessel and a humility of heart that says serving is not beneath you. God came down to be an example for all of us. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that the only one in the history of the whole world that had the right to be a snob 
wasn't. And all of us better lower our head just a little bit and realize what he came for was not to give you more stuff. And if you get it, great. But he came to save us because he knew we could not save ourselves. So Christians who understand what Christmas is all about, guess what? You can be liberated from all of this ideology of the present day culture I'm not important because I can perform well and I'm not important because I got muscles or curves and I'm not important because I possess this or that and I'm not important because I got a hundred thousand likes on social media I tell you what makes us valuable is that he came down yeah and he says I can use you I love it and I'm done but I love it because Jesus turned the world's ideal of success upside down and he said this is what real success is when you can humble yourself and become like me and serve others that's what real success is. Don't you feel heaven in this house? Pastor, what kind of... Pastor, if you could create your dream church, what would it look like? It would literally look like every race, nationality, ethnicity would be in this house. And we would all be loving one another to be the example to the world of what the church looks like. Because like I told Sissy yesterday, Sissy, if we get this right, if the body gets this right, this body will help heal you and your mama. Because the body can help heal the body if we get it right. Brothers and sisters, I don't know if we're going to. I hope we do. But if we can get this right, I'm going to tell you what. There is a hurting world out there that is looking for a group of people that will love them for where they are and who they are and say, come on in. He came down to save you, to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. If you receive that word, would you just throw your hands up right now? Come on and tilt your head toward heaven and giving thanks that he came down. Giving thanks right now for what he's doing in your life. If you don't know him, if you don't know him, why don't you right now say, God, Lord, I repent. And I'm asking you to come into my life. Come on, we got a few more minutes before we got to go home. He came down.
Man, how did I get this privilege? Four beautiful young ladies. Come on, somebody. Come on. That is awesome. All right. So who wants to go first? Come in here. Come on, I need. Come on in here. Come right in here. All right, watch it now. Okay, Hannah, get over here. Look. Here's what I need you to do. Step up close. Put one knee on that. There you go. Right there. Perfect. You scared? Well, you should be because I'm going to leave you under for about a full minute to make sure you get good and baptized. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Hannah, he came down to give you this great privilege. And baptism is a sign of the death of Christ, the burial and the resurrection. And what's going to happen is when you go down in Jesus name and you come up, I want you to just to lift your hands because now what has taken place is you are born into a kingdom, right? It doesn't mean that it's all over. It means you still have a part to play, but it means you've been born into the family of God. You see all these good looking people out here? Yeah, guess what? They're now your spiritual family. Isn't that cool? And that means you don't have to do this alone. You got some help. You got some people that's going to be praying for you. And that's a wonderful thing. All right. If you will, take this hand right here and hold your nose. Take this other hand. Hold your arm. Hannah, on the confession of your faith and the obedience to God's command, I now baptize you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the remission of all your sins. y'all pray with me the Lord the good work that you started in Hannah God complete it because here's what we know you don't start anything that you don't finish and father I pray that you would fill her with the baptism of your Holy Spirit and we thank you for this precious life in Jesus mighty name come on everybody give Hannah a big hand that great all right Hannah hang out because we're going to take a pick of your mug pie isn't she got those long eyelashes you know what here's if my daddy was alive Macy here's what the, my daddy would tell you when the Lord stopped by your house he stayed a while 
you're a precious young lady. You know, it's always a privilege to baptize anyone, right? But I especially love it when I get to baptize young people. Because what it means to me is that prayerfully, God is about to save a life. A life from destruction and hurt and sin and pain. And so, Macy, it's a great privilege to be able to baptize you. You have a great family. And I'm honored to get to place you under the water in the name of Jesus. So if you will take this hand right here and hold your nose, take your other hand. Macy, on the confession of your faith and the obedience to God's command, I now baptize you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for the remission of all your sins. Sister Cherie, she's probably gonna lay hands on you again. All right, who we got? Shiloh? Come on, Sister Shiloh. I don't know how it all works. I really don't. But, Bowie, if you can, I hope you're watching this, but because this right here is what we prayed for. Shiloh, I know the hand of the Lord is upon you. And I know that you got some good genes in you, girl. Yes, I do. And God is going to use, God's going to use what he's given you for his glory. Shiloh, I want you to take this hand right here, sweetie. Hold your nose. Shiloh, on the confession of your faith, baby, and the obedience to God's command, I now baptize you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for the remission of all your sin. Y'all cold over there? 
Well, just get stammering lips and just start speaking in tongues. We'll, any, any way we got to do it here. Here, sweet pea. Mm, Bowie, you got some good looking girls. That's all right. Pastor's going to help you. Y'all just remember this. If the Lord tarries and you girls start dating, you got to come through Jay. You got to come through Lisa, Peyton. You got to come through that man right there, and you got to come through me. Yeah, you'll get it later. <laughs> it's like, what? It's all right. On the confession of your faith, sweetheart, and the obedience to God's command. Take your little hand right here. Hold your nose. I now baptize you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the remission of all your sins. tell you Ronnie's testimony because that's not for me to tell but I sat with Ronnie for a full hour and he told me his story and I'm going to tell you something it's a miracle that this man is even alive Ronnie's made some choices and he knows they weren't good choices. And that's why I said what I said. Ronnie, I don't think he minds me using him, right? Because he's got a sweet spirit about him. But Ronnie would say this to you young ladies. Follow the Lord. And give the Lord your whole heart. Because there's some paths... That you just wish you wouldn't have walked and if you ladies will give your life to the Lord he will lead and guide and direct your steps and you know what the good thing is about God he'll save you from a lot of heartache headache and heartbreak Ronnie even though maybe you didn't make some of the best choices the good news is he loves to take those from the guttermost Yeah.
Hey, check this out. Raised in Poche, but going to heaven. Only God can do that. Mm -hmm. Isn't it the truth? Only God can do that. Only God can do it. Thank you for sharing your heart with me the other day. It's a great privilege to be able to baptize you. Now, guess what? I, don't, I say this with all humility. Ronnie, I don't know what you know. I haven't been where you've been. And I say it with humility. But here's what I do know. You got a testimony. And you're going to re get to reap and reach a group of people that perhaps I would never have influence on. But because you've been there. Because you've been there. And you're able to tell them, let me tell you where I come from. But let me tell you where I'm going. Yes. Hallelujah. Hmm. Ronnie, it's a great privilege to be able to baptize you. If you will, take your hand, hold your nose. If you will, set one knee up here on this. There you go. Ronnie, on the confession of your faith and the obedience to God's command, I now baptize you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the remission of all your sins.